FCS Nation. It's time for your show yet again. The fifth season of FCS Nation is underway. I'm your host, Kevin Marshall. I'm coming to you from the flagship station of FCS Nation, Fox Sports, 1450 and 92.7 KGRZ and 1340 KYLT in Missoula, Montana. Joining me like he does each week during the season is Mr. Chris Callum. Chris is coming to you from his broadcast center in Cheney, Washington. Got a big show for you all today. First up as a guest, we Mr. Brent Thompson, head coach of the Citadel Bulldogs. And we'll follow that up with Mr. Casey Keeler, head coach of the defending national champion, Sam Houston Bearcats. Chris, thanks for being here. The spring was a thing, but boy, it was odd, wasn't it? Yeah, it was definitely different, but we persevered. And I'm looking forward to uh, maybe some normalcy this fall and some football. Well, what do we learn from the spring, Chris? Here are my takeaways. It's shown, I think, the spring season did, that football can be disciplined with an approach, and it can get done under horrific, limiting circumstances. I was really proud of how the subdivision, for the most part, handled the spring season. Yeah, I think there are a number of coaches that handled it with grace. You know, In my notes, Keeler can still coach. I mean, that's what we learned. But if you break down, you know, the championship game and the semis and even the quarters to a certain extent, you see a couple of things that that come forth. One is you see balance. You see teams that are strong on both sides of the football. Uh, you also see special teams play a significant role, you know, and that's what kept North Dakota State uh, in their quarterfinal game for so long. So some things change, some things don't, but I definitely think that the spring was a perfect example of how far great coaching can take you. And look, with the carrot, like you said off the air just a minute ago, with vaccinations for this fall, if you have to cancel a game from COVID this fall, it's going to be a forfeit. There are a lot of people who thought it should have been that way during the spring, myself included. But it seems the number to reach is 85% vaccination on your football team. That way, you will not have too few bodies to play. And if you're unvaccinated, man, you're going to have more stuff up your nose than Tony Montana. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, and I, it depends upon the state, of course. In my state, the state of Washington, everybody that's going to school in the fall has to be vaccinated, students, student athletes, coaches, everyone. And so it's not as much of an issue for them. Uh, but in states where that might be still up in the air, and I honestly don't know you know, the state-by-state state situation, then it's going to be a challenge for some of those programs if, in fact, they aren't required and they're falling below that 85% line. Okay, so we've talked about last spring. We've talked about the vaccination. Let's talk about one thing that I think is very interesting for this fall, especially early on. What kind of advantage do teams that played in the spring have early this season with just cleanliness of handoffs, getting in the right formation, uh, lack of penalties? Is that going to be a huge advantage for teams that did play in the spring, especially early on this fall? Well, it has to be some sort of an advantage, right? I mean, if more reps equal, you know, better performances, and we see that time and again. I also think that it gives the opportunity for some teams that were maybe a little bit further behind in their rebuilding stages of their program to maybe catch up a little bit because you saw some playing time from kids that wouldn't have started to play until this year. Uh, But then maybe some of that's balanced out by these six-year seniors that you're seeing uh, that have stayed with programs and get that extra year of eligibility. But I don't see how you can expect the teams that did play in the spring to have some advantage. 
Well, look, you know, they say there's game speed and there's practice speed. I think that once the guys get together and start hitting one another, I don't think it'll really matter all that much when you last played, especially after week one. But I think early on in these first week games, we're going to have that, where guys are going to go, whoa, this is a lot faster than I've seen in practice. So I think week one, week two, maybe those teams that played last spring will have an advantage. Let's get right to the coaches poll, Mr. Callum. And number one is Sam Houston. Number two, James Madison. Number three is North Dakota State. Number four is South Dakota State. And number five is Delaware. I don't really have any problem with Sam Houston being number one. You know which school I went to. I went to the school that that fine gentleman from the state of North Carolina went to, Mr. Rick Flair, who says to be the man, you got to beat the man. And right now, Sam Houston is the man. I think they are, but there's a lot of talent in those top five, and I think you can throw Southern Illinois into that mix as well. I agree. I had Southern Illinois a little bit higher in my preseason FCS poll than most of the other ones had. I want to talk about North Dakota State for just a second, too. Look, they're going to get a pretty dynamic QB transfer in Patterson from Virginia Tech, and they were a QB away, I thought, from being North Dakota State again last spring. I think that this is an example where they may start out number three, but is North Dakota State still who we think they are? That's a great question. I don't know if they are, and it's not a knock against them so much as it is the fact that the Missouri Valley continues to be strong, and I think even better from top to bottom than it's ever been. And so I think even if they're the same, I think they're going to face more challenges. They're going to face more adversity, uh, and it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out for the Bison. James Madison there at number two. You have to think that maybe what happened to them, or maybe more correctly, what Sam Houston did to them in the playoffs has to be in the back of the mind a little bit. If they're up on a team and they start to come back on them, maybe they start to think, oh boy, here we go again. Kurt Signetti's a good coach. He's a defensive-minded coach, and I think he'll have them ready to go. But that's got to be in, in the back of your mind if you're a James Madison Duke defender, don't you think? Yeah you could be a little bit snake bit I suppose but that's an awfully good program and I think just talent wise they're going to make a deep run just about every year now at this point. South Dakota State at number four they did get a first place vote they were seconds away from winning the national championship with the backup quarterback and you add in Chris Oladukan who transfers from Samford where they know how to throw the football very well I think South Dakota State will be right there too. And going back to my previous statement about balance, they're the epitome of it. They play great defense. They have talent at all three levels. And then on offense, they're explosive. They have guys that can make plays from the backfield. They have good wide receivers. They always are, are great at tight end and the quarterback position is well handled. So the Jackrabbits, I mean, it's almost a little surprise they're that low. Number six is Weber State. Number seven is North Dakota. Number eight is Jacksonville State. Number nine is Montana. Number 10 is Southern Illinois. I think if you're Weber State, you have to feel pretty good about being ranked sixth in the preseason coaches poll. But Weber State needs to do a little bit better in the playoffs. Southern Illinois went there in the playoffs and they were the fifth place team in the Missouri Valley Football Conference and were able to beat Weber State. If Weber State wants to be the flag bearer for the Big Sky, have to do a little bit better than that. And they have to be more consistent on offense. I mean, their defense always plays well. They have excellent special teams. Uh, It'll be interesting to see what the quarterback play looks like. That's kind of held them back a little bit the last couple of years. If they get decent QB play, uh, then I think they're a national championship contender. 
Number 11 is Montana State. Number 12 is Monmouth. Number 13 is Central Arkansas. Number 14 is Eastern Washington. And number 15 is Villanova. When you look at number 12, Monmouth, Sam Houston was lucky to escape them. It took a fourth down interception in the first round of the playoffs for them to advance. Monmouth's pretty good football team may be slightly underrated here. I agree completely. They and they've just steadily gotten better. They're not. I don't think they're a flash in the pan type of program. They may have not as made a big a splash as their conference mates at Kennesaw State, but they've just slowly improved each season. And I think they have quite a bit of talent on both sides of the ball as well. Number sixteen is Northern Iowa. Number seventeen is Southeastern Louisiana. Number eighteen is Chattanooga. Number nineteen is the Virginia Military Institute. Number twenty is Kennesaw State. Been a while since we've seen Northern Iowa ranked this low in the preseason poll. Two SOCON teams at 18 and 19. Yeah, this is the part of the poll where it's really up in the air. You'd expect one of the teams out of this five to overachieve and maybe end up being in the top 10, if not the top five by the end of the season. I always get a kick out of Northern Iowa because they just year in and year out are in the poll somewhere and they play themselves almost out of contention and then seem to hang on and play well through the middle of the season and down the stretch, but never quite good enough to get over the hump. So uh, just for the, the sake of the Panther fans out there, I'd like to see them have a really good season and maybe win a couple of games in the playoffs. Number 21 is UC Davis. Number 22 is Richmond. Number 23 is Nichols. Number 24 is North Carolina A&T. And number 25 is Austin P. Chris, we were both pretty high on Nichols going into the spring. It turned out to be a pretty disappointing campaign for them. Yeah, they were tough to figure out. I mean, they they really did underachieve, in my opinion. I'm also, you know, a little bit surprised to see Richmond up there. I mean, Richmond had a good spring season, but they didn't really play anybody either until the last game. So yeah, I think they're a big question mark. We'll be right back. Coming up next, Mr. Brent Thompson, head coach of the Citadel Bulldogs. Don't move. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. Welcome back to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. We're now joined by Mr. Brent Thompson, head coach of the Citadel Bulldogs. Thanks for making the time, Coach. Really appreciate it. Hey, Kevin, anytime. Always a pleasure with you guys. Coach, watching the video from fall camp, why am I seeing like number 115 for the Citadel Bulldogs? That must be like a really (laughs) interesting deal for a Citadel football team. Well, you know, it was. Uh, we've gotten a few comments on that, and it's been quite interesting. Uh, we didn't even think too much about it, but uh, what was ended up happening was we were getting confused out there as coaches. We had uh, a couple of doubled up numbers, and uh, in order to eliminate all of that, is we just decided to go to three digits this year. And when we went to three digits, we were like, you know what? It's kind of good, it, it, you know. You, you know who guys are, and then they obviously know when they move into double digits. They're, you know, they're improving. They're getting, they're moving up the roster a little bit, and uh, it was a little bit easier on the equipment room too, instead of having doubled up numbers for those guys as well. So, uh, it made a lot of sense. Uh, it's kind of unique to us right now. We'll probably just keep it around. Twelve games combined with the fall and the spring. You won two out of the last three. Went into the off season with some momentum. What has improved the most in fall camp? Well, I think our depth has improved the most is we've got, um, when we looked at it in in the two scrimmages on defense, we played 22 in our first scrimmage, all with the ones. That was everybody that could play with the ones. And then we played 26th on defense um, in the second scrimmage, all with the ones. So our depth on the defensive side has definitely gotten a lot better. Uh, Offensively, we're not quite as deep, but we still played. I, I counted out about 17, 18 guys on the 
uh, offensive side in the first scrimmage and about the same 18 or 19 guys on the second scrimmage. So number one is our depth and our experience. Um, the last thing is kind of the intangible is I, I think we're a lot more hungry of a football team going through the majority of the guys, the 70 guys or, or so that were here with us last spring. Um, just a lot hungry of a football team, kind of more reminiscent of the way we were in 15. You return Willie Eubanks III, also Raleigh Webb, two All-America type players. Those are two really good leaders for your offense and your defense. What are some of the intangibles they bring? Well, number one is uh, just the fact that they decided to come back. So number one is they love to play football. Uh, number two, they have aspirations of playing at the second level. So they worked extremely hard this summer and they set the tone for it. You got two guys that live off campus, which is unique uh, to the Citadel being that they're fifth year guys, but uh, guys that have been in that locker room, guys that uh, younger guys can look up to. You know, there's a difference of about five or six years between the freshmen and, you know, Raleigh and Willie. And uh, they got some older guys that they can look up to. And this is how things are supposed to be done in the locker room. This is how things are supposed to be done in the weight room. And this is how you practice. You know, we were having a, a bad practice one day. And all I did was hear Willie say, you know, we've got to be professionals. We've got to come out here and treat this like a profession. And what he was talking to was we were just out there one day in just helmets and shoulder pads. And in a team that likes to go full because of uh, the way that we, we, we play, essentially, uh, we were in shells. And he's like, look, we've got to stay on our feet. We've got to be able to practice in this kind of a gear just so that we can prepare ourselves and get ready. And, and from then on out, I thought we had a really a, a much better practice, and it made a lot of sense. FCS Nation, we're joined by Mr. Brent Thompson, head coach of the Citadel Bulldogs. Coach, I know that moving Jalen Adams in wasn't the ideal way that you wanted to do it, kind of threw him in there. He progressed nicely as the season went on. Has he cleaned up some of the mistakes that he made in the spring? Well, the number one issue is that we had to take care of was just the ball security. It was a little haphazard with the ball. We turned the ball over two or three times for touchdowns, which is, you know, this offense, we, we get a bad enough rap as it is. You know, we're distributing the ball all over. Um, so that was the number one thing is, is he had to know when it was uh, when it was time to take chances with it and when it was time to pitch it and when it was time to keep it and don't worry about it and don't stress about it. The second thing that we really needed to address with him was just throwing. And uh, as I've explained to everybody, that, that's not his fault. Is We had um, four wide receivers total in the spring. You can't exactly go out there and run a lot of passing drills, those guys running down the field, um, getting really good looks at where that ball needs to be placed um, in a matter of four weeks in what was a somewhat of a spring football camp uh, with only having four wide receivers out there. So that really wasn't his fault. So we spent a lot of time this summer camp, this fall camp, really just going through a lot of skelly. We ran a lot of skelly this year, which is not typical of us. Uh, and then we've done a lot more throwing. You, you do have guys that you can throw to with Raleigh and Ryan, but we had to get our timing down. Um, and then the third part of it all is, is not just those two guys, but it becomes the offensive line. So we've dedicated a lot more time to the passing game, and uh, hopefully for, for us it'll pay off with just the, the bigger plays down the field like it did with Brandon Rainey. Who's the biggest surprise of camp, Coach? Well, you know, we've had a, we had a really good year with uh, one of our younger offensive linemen, uh, Zach Blanchard, who has a chance to really get a lot of playing time this year. Played in one game just out of uh, necessity last year in the Sanford game, started at center, uh, but he's put on some really good weight. He's one of our biggest offensive linemen. He's definitely the strongest offensive lineman. Uh, came to us as a walk-on last year and has progressed really, really nicely over the past, uh, I would say, the last five or ten practices or so. 
reading from the fine beat writer Jeff Hartzell, who does a heck of a job, Citadel fans are really spoiled by what he does. Not every market has that. It seems like you're going to be really deep at the A-back and the B-back position. Are you going to be able to play five or six guys in between those two positions? Historically, we've played about five or six at the A-back position. It's a, it's a tough position. Um, you're asking guys to run a lot. You're asking guys to be physical a lot on the perimeter. You're asking guys to catch passes. So historically, we've played about five or six. We're always going to need about five or six, and that was one of the things that was very, very difficult in the spring season. We didn't have five or six guys to put out there. So we had a couple of opt-outs. We had a couple of injuries left over from the fall, that kind of stuff. This year, we should be about six deep. We think we've got six guys that can play at A-back and line up there and do what they're supposed to do out there and be pretty efficient at it. Uh, B-back will be interesting. You know, B-back's another physically grueling and demanding position. Uh, we were very fortunate when we had, you know, Tyler Renew played the better part of a year and a half without too much interference there. Uh, but you're always going to need at least two to three guys there. So I think we can get two to three guys in, um, and then, you know, we'll see from there, barring, barring any other injuries. FCS Nation, that's been Mr. Brent Thompson, head coach of the Citadel Bulldogs. Thanks for making the time, Coach. Really appreciate you being here. Best of luck this fall. Thanks, Kevin. Appreciate it. That's my husband, Mr. Fix-It. I got it! I ain't got it! I told him we needed replacement windows for our house. I am man! I told him rather than go to a do-it-yourself store, we should contact Renewal by Anderson because they only do windows. They're experts. No subcontractors. Hey, honey, did you know our electricity runs through all these little metal pipes? Yow! You okay? Yeah! Renewal by Anderson, hassle-free, energy-efficient, low-maintenance windows with a professional perfect fit. A hole needs to be just a little larger! Keeping your home warm in the winter, cool in the summer with their Fibrex windows. I had no idea we had this much insulation in our walls. Honey? Yeah? I think it's time we call Renewal by Anderson. Good call, Mr. Fixit. For a perfect fit, call 406-259-3944. Renewal by Anderson of Montana. 406-259-3944. This is Flash from Bikers Against Bullies USA, and we are a not-for-profit group created by bikers, but not limited to bikers. We are committed to creating awareness and educating both kids and adults on the benefits of living in a society of respect for each other combined with self-empowerment. Bikers Against Bullies USA was started in Missoula, Montana. The very real fact is that kids are kids, and they're dying by their own hands each week due to the insidious nature of the psychological and emotional trauma created by today's bullying attempts. Our personal philosophy is that one dead child is one too many. I personally ask you to stand up, support us, and by doing so, you're making a difference. We cannot change things without you, your support, and I thank you in advance. You can get a hold of us at BikersAgainstBulliesUSA.com or Facebook, Bikers Against Bullies USA. Pines Pub in Las Vegas, Nevada. Whether you're looking for a cold drink on a hot day or a place to try out that hot hand when you're feeling lucky, Tory Pines Pub has what you're looking for. Tory Pines Pub caters to sports fans and hosts Montana Grizzlies games every football season. Not only are you going to find the Grizz on TV, but if you ask them, they'll put on whatever FCS game you want. So when you're in Las Vegas, make your way to the corner of Tory Pines and Lake Mead Boulevard to the Tory Pines Pub and tell them FCS Nation sent you. ToryPinesPub.com 
Wearing braces on your teeth can be challenging. Flossing and brushing is frustrating at best. The patented Platypus Flosser and Toothbrush for people that wear braces is the easiest and most effective oral hygiene device on the planet. Unlike traditional methods that are, well, just awful, your kids will actually use the Platypus products because they are fast and easy to use. If your child wears braces, protect your investment in their teeth with the Platypus Flosser and Toothbrush, available at your nearest Albertsons and Safeway store in the oral care aisle. PlatypusCo.com. Thanks for hanging with us during the break. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Networks. Now time for Chris Callum and I to take a whirlwind tour around the country and a little bit different this week because we only had the three games on this Saturday and then a whole lot of games next week on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. So we're going to combine those together and preview the biggest games right now. Up first, Southern Utah is at San Jose State. Chris, I think that the talent gap between the Big Sky and the Mountain West is pretty minuscule in a lot of places. I think Southern Utah has an opportunity here to maybe get an upset. San Jose State did have their best season in a long time last fall, finishing 7-1 and one overall. But Southern Utah got better as the spring went along. They lost five games by a combined 12 points. If they can put it all together, Southern Utah could make some noise here. They can, and talent is never the question mark there, but DeMario Warren has only won four games the last few seasons. He does have quarterback Justin Miller back, so that's a bonus for them. I think they've got a shot in this one. They're still a little bit outgunned, so I'd be surprised to see the Thunderbirds pull off the upset, but you never know. Eastern Illinois is at Indiana State. Not a lot is expected nationally from these two or for them to be much of a factor in their own league. But Indiana State hasn't played a football game in a long time. Eastern Illinois played a few in the spring. So like we talked about in the first segment, you would have to think advantage goes to Eastern Illinois. Although the last time Indiana State did play, they did whoop Missouri State by about four touchdowns. Yeah, and they they get... Eastern Illinois at home, so that obviously helps. Both programs, as you mentioned, have been down for quite a while now. Opportunity here to start on a good note and get one of those out-of-conference FCS wins that are tough to come by. The MEAC SWAC Challenge kickoff this year is North Carolina Central versus Alcorn State. College game day will be in attendance. Should be a good opportunity to showcase the FCS and our brand of football. The MEAC SWAC Challenge, North Carolina Central at Alcorn State. It's a winnable game for both teams. Alcorn State tried to play a spring season. They didn't get it in. Should be a fun one. Keep your eye on Alcorn State quarterback Felix Harper. He's a lefty. You don't see a lot of left-handed quarterbacks anymore. There are people who think he might be an NFL prospect. He was the SWAC Offensive Player of the Year the last time they played a full season. One of the most intriguing games, I think, coming along on the pike here is Wednesday night. Number eight, Jacksonville State is at Alabama-Birmingham. Zarek Cooper will be back from his injury suffered against Delaware in the playoffs. Jacksonville State would love nothing more than to beat up on their FBS brethren there in the state of Alabama. And they seem to have a lot of these winnable FBS-type games. Uh, Speaking of Jacksonville State, UAB went bowling in 2020, but that was against a very easy schedule. 
like you mentioned, Zarek Cooper's back along with several anchors in Harper at safety and then also Coleman at defensive end who had 6.5 sacks last year. So they've got talent on both sides of the ball as well, and I'd expect this to be a tight game. We now move on to Thursday games. The Citadel will take a trip up the Kings Highway, Highway 17, and take on the number 22-ranked Coastal Carolina of the FBS. Chris, the Beach Chickens are coming off their best season as an FBS program. It's not even close. Their quarterback, Grayson McCall, is on great many of these preseason awards watch lists for the FBS. And the Citadel played 12 games combined between the fall and the spring last year. Uh, quarterback Jalen Adams, if he's improved his pitching ability on the triple option and the passing game, the dogs have a chance in this one, I think. They would like nothing better than to whoop Jamie Chadwell. No, they wouldn't. And if you follow the Citadel football, they tend to keep games close regardless. And I wouldn't be surprised to see this a tight game. But as you mentioned, Coastal's awfully good. That was a tremendous season they had last year. They're brimming with confidence. They're at home. Uh, it's going to be a tough battle for your cadets. Tennessee Tech is at Samford. The thing is always the same for Samford, isn't it? We know they're going to put up points. Chris Hatcher has one of the best offensive systems, if you like the air raid, of anybody at any level. It's just can they play enough defense? Tennessee Tech, kind of a head-scratcher. They got a little better as the spring went on. This will be a pretty good matchup, I think. Well, and the Bulldogs have a new defensive coaching staff, and they started to figure things out a little bit late last season. They finished with wins over the Citadel and over Mercer. So if Sanford can put together a decent defense, go along with that passing attack, look out. The Tigers were trending up in 2019, finishing 6-6, six and six, but I'm not sure they have the defense to keep up in this one, regardless of how Sanford does on the defensive side of the ball. Number 10, Southern Illinois is at Southeastern Missouri. Chris, a rivalry game in week one? Yes, sir. I'm for it. Yeah, I love this matchup. It's good to see on the schedule each year. Southern Illinois could be a legit national title contender if things fall the right way. Number 21, UC Davis is at Tulsa of the FBS. Dan Hawkins seemed cautiously optimistic at Big Sky Media Day when I talked to him. This is a tough test, though. Number 21, UC Davis is at Tulsa of the FBS. The Golden Hurricane went bowling last year. They finished 6-3. and three. They're a decent team. Davis is close from a talent and coaching perspective to return to the playoffs. Aggies also have a history of playing these FBS games very close, including a big upset win of Stanford back in 2006. Number six, Weber State is at number 24, Utah of the FBS. This one intrigues me because Weber State has an opportunity to really turn college football in the state of Utah upside down here. And it's a hotbed of recruiting, the state of Utah. So this is in-state rivals. You have kids that uh, were hoping to get recruited by Utah that were passed over, and they're playing in Weber State. They have something to prove. They're going to be a little chippy about things. So this should be a really fun and interesting game to watch. And I would expect Utah to win, but Weber State could keep it close. Western Illinois is at Ball State. Not a lot to ride home about recently for the Leathernecks. This is a winnable game for them, too. Ball State, not known as a football power. Western Illinois, if Ball State takes them lightly, could go in there and maybe come away with a win. Yeah, Western Illinois is like many teams in the FCS that have been in the playoffs the last five to ten years. They're kind of in the middle of a two or three rebuilding stretch. Hopefully they're about to turn that around. Ball State, middling team for the most part, but they came out of nowhere last year and won the MAC West title. So they've got quite a bit of talent. It's going to be a tough one for the Leathernecks. 
UT Martin is at Western Kentucky of the FBS. Western Kentucky should have lost to Chattanooga last fall, not for a horrible call on a kickoff return. UT Martin was trending upwards for a good little bit, too. The Skyhawks, pretty good football team. I believe they'll give the Hilltoppers all they want. I think they have a chance to. The Hilltoppers are a better-than-average program. I mean, they seem to make bowl games quite a bit. They tend to compete for conference titles. Martin has nine starters returning on each side of the ball, so they have a lot of experience. And their four losses last season were for a combined 11 points, so they were very competitive. And I think the game of the week with the matchup of FCS teams, number one, Sam Houston, is at Northern Arizona. We'll talk to Casey Keeler about this game in just a couple of minutes. But, you know, that's not the way I think you would want to start off a title defense having to go on the road to northern Arizona, which is historically a tough place to play. And northern Arizona can put up some points. They proved that in the spring. Yeah, they played, I think, a little better than expected in the spring. And this is Chris Ball's third season. He has an excellent coaching staff behind him. I would expect them to make a a more significant turn for the better this year. They're still not the talent level of the Bearcats, but strange things can happen at the walk-up Sky Dome. Plus, the Bearcats aren't just playing up in elevation. They're coming from practically sea level, so it's a little bit further to go up than, uh, say, an Eastern Washington would have to to play in Flagstaff. Number 14, Eastern Washington, is at UNLV of the FBS. UNLV didn't win a game last season. Eastern Washington, look, they got to the playoffs and had North Dakota State on the ropes, let's face it. But then things kind of fell apart for them on defense, and NDSU just ran the ball right down their throat. You know that the running Rebels have seen that tape, Chris. You know that's what they're going to try to do. They're going to line up run to football, try to push Eastern Washington around. This one should be a good football game. I think the Eagles have a better than a puncher's chance in this one to come away with a scalp. I think if I was a betting man and I'm not, this might be one of those that I might put a little money on. Well, it goes without saying, I hope it's it's, it's a close game with the Eagles coming out on top. UNLV, despite all of their issues, are returning 18 starters. They also have a transfer quarterback from TCU coming in. I think as far as Eastern, it's going to be the Eric Berrier show and what he's allowed to do. If he's freewheeling and running around in the backfield and, and improvising and making plays with both his legs and his arm, they can beat anybody on the in the nation. If they have to rely upon defense, that's the big question mark. I think it should be improved, but we'll have to see. Southern Utah is at number 25, Arizona State. T-Birds, like we talked about just a minute ago, this will be their second tough game in a row, you know, second FBS game in a row. So you have to figure that if you're Demario Warren, you've gotten your money in the first two and, you know, maybe put up a good showing, have an opportunity to win the ball game at the end, one of these two, you'd be happy. But I know that he'll be very happy to get into big sky play for the last time. Yeah, I think so. And the one thing missing for Southern Utah, and it has been for a decade or so, has been sustainable success. They tend to make the playoffs and then take a year off and then make the playoffs again. And perhaps the conference change will help in that regard. The talent is there. It's just the weekly consistency in and out that is missing. Arizona State is loaded. I think any score within two touchdowns is a minor victory for the T-Birds, to be honest. And the CAA seems to have a different outlook on scheduling. These next two games are going to be huge games for the CAA going forward. First up is New Hampshire is at Stony Brook. Really weird not to see New Hampshire in the preseason top 25, isn't it? It is weird, and they're no longer a, you know, a lock in the north half of the CAA. Both teams are similar in that they tend to win ugly, and with defense, they play fairly good special teams. But lots of pieces to be sorted out for both of them, and I truly think this is a toss-up game. 
Number five, Delaware is at Maine. Boy, the schedule makers didn't do Delaware any favors here. This is a game that is historically a one-score, two-score ball game. This one will be a fight in Arono, Maine. But at least to get it out of the way early in the season. And if UD can find an offense to go along with that terrific defense, they should be in the mix for a CAA title and another deep run in the playoffs. Maine seems to be feast or famine. At times, the offense is explosive. At times, it kind of lays an egg. An upset win in Orno could springboard them into a bounce-back season this year. Incarnate Word hits the road to take on the Youngstown State Penguins. Youngstown State got a little bit better on offense as the spring went on, but they seem to be still a little bit challenged on that side of the ball. They are, you know, and that's true of half of that conference, but they played with guts last year. I was very impressed with how quickly they turned things around. The word faded down the stretch, but offensively they can score in heaps. So it's going to be a kind of a strength on strength type of situation with that good Youngstown defense, a Missouri Valley defense that doesn't like to give up lots of yards or points versus an explosive SLC offense. Number 25, Austin P travels to Chattanooga, who's ranked number 18 in the preseason poll. This will be a very good game as well. I think Austin P feels a little bit disrespected. I think they felt like some people ignored what they did in the spring, and maybe they're right. And Chattanooga, who knows what we're going to get out of them. They were leading the SOCON in the spring and then decided to quit. So it'll be interesting to see number 25, Austin P, and number 18, Chattanooga. Yeah, I mean, just like everything else, you can almost throw out a lot of last year as far as the results go. Austin P was coming off a great season the year before. They did struggle a little bit last year, but they played well down the stretch. They showed signs of improvement. I think they were a dangerous team in those last few games. Chattanooga's picked by many people to win this, the Southern Conference. They definitely need more offensive production. They're only averaging 321 yards per game. Now we move on to the Friday games, and there's three pretty good ones right here. South Dakota is at Kansas. Kansas, not very good. The Yotes, who knows what we're going to see out of them. I'm looking forward to this one. I think South Dakota's got a pretty good shot at here. Speaking of anemic on offense, let's talk about the Kansas Jayhawks and their ability to score much of anything in 2020. They only averaged 16 points per game. I think the Yotes could stay in this one for quite a while. The Ed McCaffrey era begins for Northern Colorado as they hit the road to take on Colorado. Yeah, and the Bears, you know, have been down for years and years and years. And perhaps taking a year off was just the reset that they needed as well as bringing in Coach McCaffrey. So I think it's time for some optimism in Greeley. I don't think it starts this week. Colorado is a a very good Pac-12 program and they have a lot of talent. Number four, South Dakota State is at Colorado State of the FBS. I like the Jackrabbits' chances in this one. Like I mentioned in the first segment, we were breaking down the top 25. I think South Dakota State Jackrabbit fans are going to be very pleased with their transfer quarterback, Chris Oladukin from Samford. He can really sling it, and he is more mobile than you think. I believe the Jackrabbits have a very good chance of coming away with a FBS scalp against Colorado State. Oh, I do, too. I I think back to two or three years ago when South Dakota State just absolutely laid it to Kansas uh, early in the season. And this is a better team than that one. I mean, they're a team that plays well on both sides of the ball. They can score a lot of points. They can pass it. They can run it. Uh, The defense is opportunistic, but can control the line of scrimmage at times, even against an FBS opponent. So I think the Jackrabbits have a real good shot at winning this ballgame. Don't go anywhere. We'll be joined by Mr. Casey Keeler, head coach of the Sam Houston State Bearcats. That's coming up next right here on FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network.
For more than 30 years, the NCAA Division I Football Championship Subdivision has helped athletes achieve their dreams. The dream of playing football and hearing the home crowd cheer time after time. The dream of competing for a national championship. The dream of an excellent education. The dream of becoming a leader. And the dream of playing the right way with sportsmanship. NCAA Division I Football. It's not a dream. Come see for yourself. Blaine McElmurray specializes in bringing your dream home to reality. Blaine and his team have been building beautiful, custom, single-family and multi-family homes since his return from the NFL in 2003. And Blaine hires only the best subcontractors to work on your home. Blaine has competed in the Parade of Homes only two times, but in those two times, he's won six of the eight awards. Give him a call. If you can dream it, he can build it. To see some of his work or for contact information, go to McElmurrayHomes.net. That's M-C-E-L-M-U-R-R-Y Homes.net. Let McElmurray Homes exceed your expectations. Bud Light presents Real Men of Genius. Real Men of Genius. Today we salute you, Mr. T-Shirt Launcher Inventor. Mr. T-Shirt Launcher Inventor. Not satisfied with standard souvenir distribution, you created a device with enough kick to dislocate a mascot's shoulder. Someone get a stretcher. Courtside, luxury box, upper deck. Your high-powered cotton cannon makes every section the nosebleed section. Hit the deck! So simple, anyone can operate it. After a background check, a training course, and a five-day waiting period. It only shoots t-shirts. So crack open an ice-cold Bud Light marksman of the mezzanine, because we know you'll give us the shirt off your back at 180 feet per second. Mr. T-shirt launching there. Bud Light beer at Isopur St. Louis, Missouri. Are you played by foreclosure? Well, here at Jim Lott and Matey, we can stop your foreclosure now. We're a mortgage rescue company, and for the small fee of everything you hold dear, we will negotiate with your lender on your behalf. Call Jim Lott and Matey at 1-800-YAR-YAR. That's 1-800-YAR-YAR-YAR. If you're facing foreclosure, talk to the right people. Speak with HUD-approved housing counselors free of charge at 888-995-HOPE. Brought to you by NeighborWorks America and the Ad Council. I'm DJ Coulter from Fargo, North Dakota. Welcome to American Family Insurance. I understand that choosing the proper insurance protection can be overwhelming. That's why it's so important to find someone you can rely on for trusted advice. As your American Family Insurance agent, I'll work hard to earn your trust, and I look forward to helping you find the right insurance solutions for years to come. Area code 701-235-6641. Or better than that, drop by and see DJ at American Family Insurance at 4215 31st Avenue South, Suite B in Fargo, North Dakota. DJCoulter.com. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. We're now joined by Mr. Casey Keeler, head coach of the Sam Houston Bearcats, the defending national champions. Coach Keeler, when you look at your career in coaching, you have two national championships now. Do you feel like that gives you more street cred than you used to have? Well, no, I think when you have success, it gives you street credibility in terms of with your players. I mean, they do understand, you know, there's a reason why I've been able to win two national championships, and there's a reason why. You know, I am 16-0 on first-round games and 30-0 at home games. I mean, 
so what I'm preaching, it's easier to sell because, you know, I have proof of concept. So I, I think that's what winning gives you. Winning gives you uh, a, a little clearer voice because they do understand that, you know, the guy who's telling us how to do it has done this before. You get just about everybody back. I think everybody's going to have more depth in the FCS this year than they've ever had before or probably will ever have any time in the future. You've got your big players back. And Eric Schmid, well, I'll tell you, watching him develop has just been outstanding. You've done a hell of a job with him. So has your staff. What does he need to improve on to be even better this fall? Well, you know, just uh, I think he's improved dramatically as a pocket passer. Um, and I think that's what he just needs to keep on doing. You know, he's like second to none when it comes to those improvised plays, those improvisation plays where um, he's just uh, pulling the ball down, eyes are downfield, uh, deciding to run it or throw it. I mean, you know, he's the best. Um, he just needs to keep on developing that pocket game, which I thought he made some great strides last year, and I'm hoping that he even makes some more strides this year. On the defensive side of the ball, the knock on Sam Houston in the past was great offense, defense not as good. You took some major strides forward in that in the spring, and let's face it, the year before in the fall too. But this defense is a solid group. The big names are there. Who else should we be looking out for this year? Is there anybody who maybe you're going to plug in there this fall who we didn't hear a lot from this past spring? Well, I think you're right. I think, you know, we've been always known for offense. And then the last two years, I think arguably we've had one of the best defenses in the country. You know, at least statistically we have. Uh, and I think, you know, in big ball games we've played, you know, big in, 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 uh, on defense. But, you know, we're, we're going to plug a guy in named Tim Hart. Uh, Tim is a, a Memphis transfer linebacker. He's a guy that can play all three of the linebacker positions for us. He's a guy who started 22 games in Memphis, and uh, he came to us in, uh, in January. We were blessed to have him as a scout team player for the year. And just all the players are just so impressed with his work ethic every day and his uh, you know, sheer ability and how physical he is. Yeah, I think he just brings another physical component to uh, an already physical defense. One of the things that when you got to Sam Houston that you were going to need, you said, was better nutrition for your players, football building, and more cohesive give-a-damnness from everybody and the administration and from the fans and the community. It seems like you've really got that. You're going to open up a beautiful new building. The nutrition plan seems to really have helped as well. Yeah, you know, I mean, when I sat with Bobby Williams, when I first took the job over, it was all about us trying to win a national championship. And I've been blessed that I've been able to go to him when I think there's things that, you know, we need to do to get to that next level. And, you know, nutrition and strength have been two of those big key factors. And uh, he has helped me get a football and strength coach and brought in a, a dietitian at the same time. You mentioned the support you get from Bobby Williams and the administration. How awesome was that for you to have that moment with them on the field there in Frisco where you accomplished what you set out to accomplish, and now you need to go out there and do it again? I know he's not pleased with just one national championship. He'd like to see you all go on a run. What do you need to do to do that, Coach? Hey, you know, I think this, this is our chance to establish ourselves not as only just one of the best teams in the country, you know, year in and year out, you know, last 10 years, 103 wins. But, you know, win that second one in a back-to-back fashion, you're, you're in rarefied air. You know, those are special programs that are able to do that. And, again, I've often said, you know, I'm very blessed to have an athletic director that, you know, for 17 years was a college football coach. So he understands, he truly understands, you know, what we go through on a daily basis. And when I come to him with a, a need for a, a strength position or a dietitian, 
you know, he knows that I'm only asking for things that I think, you know, just aren't giveaways and freebies. These are things that really are needed to go win a national championship. And I've been fortunate that he has trusted uh, uh, the way I run the program. And so when I do go to him, I'm able to uh, feel pretty good that I'm able to get the things that, you know, we need to do to try to play to the highest level. Week one, you go on the road to Northern Arizona, the walk-up Sky Dome there is a notoriously tough place to play. Are y'all going to get there a little earlier, try to acclimate to the altitude, or is it just something you're going to have to deal with and you don't mention it at all? I think there's two schools of thought there, right? Yeah, there, there, are, there are two schools of thought, and we've addressed it. Uh, we are currently doing special breathing exercises uh, that athletes that, that uh, have to perform at uh, high altitudes do, and uh, we're bringing the beet juice in the, for four days prior to uh, – uh, going up there, we have some different medicines and obviously the oxygen and those things. But the research shows that either you get there two weeks before or you get there 24 hours before. That that intermediate where you're getting there a day or two earlier, that doesn't really help. In fact, it hurts. Um, so, again, we've done the research. Uh, we know it's going to be a challenge. I think our biggest strength is going to be our depth. We're going to have to play eight offensive linemen. We're going to have to play eight or nine defensive linemen. We're going to have to play four or five uh, linebackers and you know, three running backs and, and down the line. So, And I think our depth is going to be really critical for us to be successful uh, playing a very, I think, very good football team. I mean, they took Weaver right to the end. Uh, that is uh, very successful in their, their home dome. Their quarterback is a transfer player, and he's a pretty – big kid uh, you're going to have to swarm the ball against the lumberjacks they can really put up points it'll be a good test for your team in week one yeah you know they get an oregon transfer in and i thought their, their quarterback was pretty good you know coming back and uh, so if they decide to go with the oregon guy they're going to you know, feel it's an upgrade um i think every game that we play you know and every game we played last year up until maybe the final three games the mismatch has always been our defensive line against their offensive line and that's what we're kind of hoping again this year. Uh, when we played James Madison and North Dakota State, South State, those were great just mono-a-mono matchups. Some of the best in the country against some of the best in the country. I think week in and week out, our advantage typically is our defensive line. Now, at the same time, I say that, and I think our offensive line is probably the most improved part of this team. And so, you know, we added Reese Jordan, uh, who is a uh, Texas State transfer, started, I think, 42 games in his career there. Uh, and he's now at our place, and he really kind of finishes off uh, that that five where we feel we can put five out there that uh, can play with anybody. FCS Nation, that's been Mr. Casey Keeler, head coach of the Sam Houston Bearcats. Thanks for making the time, Coach. It's always really nice to talk to you. Kevin, great talking to you again, man. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. Listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. It's now time for the pick segment. This is where Chris Callum humbles me for weeks. Chris, let's get right to it. Up first, Southern Utah is at San Jose State. Give me San Jose State. Southern Utah will be competitive in this game, but I think there's just going to be too much for the Spartans. I agree. The Thunderbirds will score, and they'll put up some points. The question is, can their defense get enough stops to make it a four-quarter game? I believe they can, and they will but I like San Jose State to pull away late and win 35-24. Eastern Illinois is at Indiana State. 
if Eastern Illinois is an elite OVC team, then I like their chances. They have not proven to be over the last few years. Indiana State might be rebuilding, but I think they're about to turn it around and get a few more wins this year. So give me the Sycamores at home. Not me, sir. I do think it's a very interesting matchup. Neither of these are expected to be very good, but the Panthers, like we mentioned before, have more recent game experience, and for that reason, on the road, 24-21. to 21. And the MEAC SWAC kickoff, North Carolina Central, Alcorn. Alcorn tried to have a season in the spring. They've got to be bitter about their, their lost opportunity to compete. They're going to come out fired up, and I think they're going to get the win. I agree with you on this one. I think North Carolina Central will be a bit overmatched in this ballgame. Alcorn State has so many weapons and a defense that will stymie the Eagles playmakers. Eagles keep it close for a while, but take the Braves, 38-24. Up next, the Citadel Bulldogs hit the road up Highway 17 to take on the number 22 ranked of the FBS, Coastal Carolina, Shauna Clears. Some things don't change. If you're the Citadel Bulldogs, it is shorten the game, control the ball, possess the ball, keep it close. I don't think they can keep it quite close enough, though, so give me the Chanticleers. The Bulldogs won the last meeting between these two, 41-38 in the 2015 FCS playoffs. The Citadel sent Coastal to the Sun Belt with a loss. Coastal is a little better now than they were then. The Citadel always has an opportunity in these games, like Chris said, because of the triple option. But I think the Shining Clears take this one. It'll be close for a while. Take Coastal over to Citadel, 28-17. Number 10, Southern Illinois is at the SEMO Redhawks. I really like Southern Illinois. I think they're a very good ball club. I think it all starts here. I think they get a relatively easy win on the road. The war of the wheel taking place in week one? I'm all for it. The Salukis stole one late over the Red Hawks 20-17 in the spring. These games are always competitive, but the Red Hawks need a passing game to go along with a pretty good rushing attack. Not sure they'll have it right out of the gate. I think they'll get there, but I don't think it'll be there this week. Take Southern Illinois. 28 to 13. Number six, Weber State is at number 24, Utah of the FBS. I think similar to the UC Davis game, I think this one will be fairly low scoring. I think it'll be very close with the Utes pulling it out in a late one. I agree with the result, but I think we're going to be in for a little bit of a shootout here. The Wildcats have a legitimate shot in this one to just turn college football in the state of Utah completely upside down. Utah is a bit unsettled at quarterback. Weber State seems to have settled on Bronson Barron. If he has improved as much as Weber State people think he has, this could be a ball game that Weber State fans will remember for a generation. I think it's going to be high scoring, but I don't think Weber's going to be able to pull it out in the end. Take the Utes over Weber State. 42-35. Number one, Sam Houston is at Northern Arizona. There's a rich history of upsets week one or week two out of conference in FCS football where you have a team from a decent conference or a good conference like the Big Sky who's maybe middle of the pack upsetting a potential national championship contender. And I think that happens here. This is my upset of the week. Give me the Lumberjacks to pull it off in Flagstaff. Not me, sir. I think Sam Houston will win the game, but I agree with everything else you said. This is a hell of a way for Sam Houston to begin their title defense. A road game indoors in the altitude versus a very good Northern Arizona Lumberjack team. There can be no slow start for the Bearcats in this one, or else they'll get beat. I think a lot of the leaders on that football team are preaching just that. This is a tough one to pick for all the reasons Chris mentioned, but I'm going to take Sam Houston on the road, 31-28. Number 14, Eastern Washington, is at UNLV of the FBS. 
Well, you know my propensity for not being a homer and being impartial, but what the heck, I'm going to throw that all out here and I'm going to pick my Eagles to pull off the upset against UNLV. I agree with this one, Chris. This is one of my upset picks of the week. UNLV didn't win a game last year, and we talked about how the Eagles had NDSU on the ropes in the Fargo Dome in the playoffs. Expect the Rebels to try to do the same thing North Dakota State did, line up and run the ball right down Eastern's throat, but we're going to find out real quick that UNLV ain't NDSU. Take the Eagles to claim an FBS scalp. Eagles win 42-35. Number five, Delaware is at Maine. I like Delaware to get the win. I think that they are an elite defense, and I think that defense will carry them a long way. The offense will be a little bit improved, so they should go up to Maine and get the early season win on the books. The winner in this one is in the driver's seat for a minute in the CAA. Delaware is a very experienced team. They have three fifth-year seniors on their offensive line. CA Offensive Player of the Year and part-time Today Show meteorologist Dejon Lee is back in the backfield. Nolan Henderson is as tough of a quarterback as you're ever going to find in college football. I do like the Blue Hens in this one, but it's going to be close. Going to be a fight. Take Delaware on the road, 24-21. Up next, number 25, Austin P is at number 18, Chattanooga. I wasn't really buying heavily into Chattanooga in the middle of last season when they were out in front in the SoCon, and I'm not buying them now. So everyone, let's go pee. Perhaps the most difficult game to pick is this one because they're two very similar teams, but Chattanooga plays a lot of close ball games. I don't think this one will be any exception to that, but I'm going to take the mocks because they're at home. Mox win, 24-22. Number four, South Dakota State is at Colorado State of the FBS. South Dakota State will not be intimidated in the least heading into Fort Collins. I think they're the better team, and I think they get the win here. I agree, Mr. Callum. South Dakota State goes into Fort Collins, Colorado. They're going to play with a lot of pride, a lot of poise, and a lot of teamwork, and they'll come away a winner over the Colorado State Rams, 27-21. That brings us to the end of another episode of FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. like to thank the program directors and board operators all up and down our network for bringing this show to you each week. Thanks, y'all, so much. FCS Nation is produced by Mr. Justin Swallows, co-hosted by Mr. Chris Callum. The marketing director for FCS Nation is Miss Stacy Marshall. We have a lot of new affiliates this year. like to welcome them into the family, and we look forward to bringing you the best of the football championship subdivision each week until we crown a national champion down in Frisco, Texas. On behalf of all those good people, I'm executive producer and host Kevin Marshall thanking you for making FCS Nation a small part of your football week. And like I always do, y'all, I'd like to remind you that life's a lot like football. You play by the rules and the penalties won't kill you. Until next week, so long, everybody.